show with another edition of the Stampede Wrestling Show. Well, there was Saturday afternoon in a nutshell. The music, the voice, the action. Stampede Wrestling. What an institution it was. And, and a big part of the fabric of this city. A big part of Calgary's history. The Stampede Wrestling promotion. Of course, uh, the Hart family, Stu Hart, the founder. Uh, many of the Hart sons. Brett, most notably, going on to uh, start him. Not just uh, here in Calgary or Western Canada, but, but globally in professional wrestling. So, yeah, if you're talking about the history of Calgary and uh, the stories the individuals have shaped it, Stampede Wrestling is right up there. So it's a a very logical extension of the Calgary Atlas Project to zero in on this fascinating and colorful history. And that's indeed what the latest edition of the Calgary Atlas Project does. It's called Ring-A-Ding-Dong-Dandy, a map of Stampede Wrestling. It's available now. Joining us to talk more about it is uh, one of the co-creators of this project. In fact, he he wrote his own book uh, back in 2005 on the history of Stampede Wrestling called Pain and Passion. Heath McCoy, as mentioned, the co-creator of Ring-A-Ding-Dong-Dandy, a map of Stampede Wrestling. And Heath joins us uh, on the line here this afternoon. Heath, great to have you with us. Welcome to the program. Thanks for having me on. You know, it's interesting. I mean, you know, everyone knows the, the Hart House, of course, or the Victoria Pavilion, where, where this uh, unfolded week in, a week out. And I mean, even for you, someone who knows this history pretty good, there, there's a lot of kind of hidden history here, a lot of significant locations that even came as a surprise to you. Oh, absolutely. I, uh, yeah, I mean, when I was, so there's 25 different locations on the map that kind of tell the story and the significance of Stampede Wrestling. And, uh, yeah, some of them are the touchstones, right? You, you, you can't do without the Hart Mansion. We all know the story about the Hart Mansion, the dungeon in the basement, yeah. to training all these wrestlers and all the screams rising up from the, from the basement. We all know, you know, we all know the matches happen at the pavilion and, and, uh, sometimes the Stampede Corral and even the Saddle Dome comes a part of that. Um, but yeah, I tried to pick places. Um, two two different categories, sort of like pick places that maybe most people we all know them, but we don't know the significant Stampede Wrestling events that that took place there. Like um, there's the funeral home on Elbow Drive, um, and that's where Owen Hart's funeral took place. And you know that you got the Hulk Hogan's and the Vince McMahon's of the world flocking there, thousands of fans out, outside of it. That was in '99, I believe. Mm-hmm. Or uh, the big one, Old City Hall. We all know Old City Hall. But that's where the Calgary Boxing and Wrestling Commission had their office. And, and you know, it, it, that was constantly a thorn in Stu's side for the entirety <laughs> yeah. of Stampede Wrestling. Every time they got too too violent, they would threaten to yank his license. And then in the 80s, they did yank his license, which caused huge, huge problems. You got, you know, the St. Regis Hotel. Wrestlers often stayed there over the years with, before they found their own place or when they were passing through. And just cool stories. Like this, this uh, uh, you know, a little people wrestler, little, uh, what was his name? Wolfman Kevin. He was, he was doing handstands, you know, on, on the, on the, on the, <laughs> up on the roof, up on the ledge, and people were freaking out below. And so we all know those places. And then there's these obscure sites that I tried to dig up to just kind of tell the, the, the kind of the cool things about it. You know, you had uh, the, the old um, the heel from the early seventies, um, Torquemada. He had the he had his catchphrase there. Uh, no chancy, Mister Whalen. If anybody right. goes back that far and remembers that, and uh, you know he had his own like only two years short lived, but it was really popular. Torres Teriyaki. He had his own little teriyaki place, and it was people used to flock there. Um, there's the Denny's. There's the Denny's on McLeod Trail. We all know that Denny's on McLeod Trail. Mm-hmm. Baden's Allen and, and the Cuban assassin ha- actually had a fight over their wives in that parking lot. In yeah, that like not a country. not a scripted part of the show fight. Like no, uh, no, no, no. we've got beef kind of real deal yeah, fight. Their, their wives got a little bit of a dust up apparently, 
and they met there to you know to to fight it out basically and, and it became I think the, the story is the Cuban assassin pulled a knife that is now and eventually it pulled out a baseball bat I don't you remember these guys these are formidable guys oh yeah oh, and yeah, uh, yeah in, in the end the Cuban assassin when the cops came the Cuban assassin was trying to get away in his in his in his car and uh, I think I think one of their wives actually got cut. I think Baden Zalm's wife actually got cut. And, and, and Baden Zalm was trying to smash out his windshield with a baseball bat. I, I don't know how, no, no charges were laid, but somehow, <laughs> somehow that happened. Um, and then in Ramsey, here in Ramsey, you got um, right near the Stampede Grounds. So they all kind of lived here at the time, you know, when they were sort of, you know, they weren't rich in the Stampede Wrestling days. And you got the location where Bret Hart used to live and where the Dynamite Kid used to live. And yeah, really, really cool. Really cool. Uh, obscure places, the, the Majestic Inn on the Cloud Trail. I, lo- I love this story. I think it's the Dream Center now. But uh, So there was a Swedish-French exotic dancer, uh, Babette Bardot. She had been in a bunch of Russ Meyer, you know, sexploitation movies. Uh, uh, Mondo Topless. I love the name Mondo Topless. <laughs> right. that was one <laughs> and she used, to, uh, she used to put on a burlesque show every year, uh, the t- you know, during Stampede. And uh, it, I guess Andre the Giant would, would come also for the Stampede, and he was infatuated with her. And he used to be late for shows. He'd watch Babette Bardot, and he'd be late for shows. And, and all the wrestlers came to see Babette Bardot. And Stu wised up and thought, well, let's bring her into the show. And at one point, they, you know, there was some in the 73, I think they crowned her Miss Stampede Wrestling, you know. So just these, I love the way cities evolve and shape and change. And, and, and there's these sort of stories and places that you don't, you don't know about and and stampede wrestling there's a million stampede wrestling stories so i oh, kind of yeah. tried to you know narrow it down that way well, and it's interesting because it's part of it's such a you know part of the fabric of the city, and and it, you know it, its history stretches over such a long period of time that it traces the evolution of the city, and all, all these little locations kind of tell their own story. So it seems like a, an obvious fit for you know the Atlas Project and and what's being done at the University of Calgary, and there've been a few other projects that that trace different histories, different parts of Calgary's mm-hmm. history. So. To take a step back here, then, Heath, how did this all come together? Where did the idea to focus on Stampede Wrestling come from? Well, the, the Calgary Atlas Project has been going for a while now, like you say, and they've got, and they basically, their whole mandate is that they, they do these kind of maps or these half educational, half art project type maps, and, and they're telling these kind of under recognized, overlooked stories of Calgary history. So you got your queer map, which tells the, you know, the his, LGBTQ history. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Calgary, um, you know, yeah, labor relations map, but all these really cool maps. And yeah, they uh, they approached me and said, let's do a, a Stampede Wrestling map. They commissioned me for it, and, and I was uh, the Calgary Institute for the Humanities at the university who who oversees the Calgary Atlas Project. Um, they're a really pretty esteemed institution at the university. So when they asked me to create one of the maps for Stampede Wrestling, I, I, I was quite honored, and 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 not just for myself. I'll say, but also on behalf of the Hart family and, and Stampede Wrestling in a strange way, because, you know, obviously given the book I wrote, I'm, I'm a firm believer that Stampede Wrestling played a pretty important role culturally in Calgary's history. Uh, and I think it uh, it often gets overlooked. We had, you know, Bret Hart's arguably the, the most famous Calgary ever, I think, to this yeah. day, globally. Um, Stu Hart himself, he was just a legendary figure and not within wrestling circles. I mean, he's in the Glenbow as one of the Mavericks who shaped the city. He's uh, he, he received the Order of Canada. He was tight with you know Ralph Klein, who's 
father used to wrestle for him. Phil Tillerkline in the 50s used to wrestle for Stu. Um, Rod Sykes, you know, he, he was tight with the mayors. Um, and his Stampede Wrestling promotion, uh, it, I, from the 50s to the 80s, I just think it was such a part of Calgary's culture, you know, um, generation after generation. Uh, parents w- who had watched it since the 50s would watch it with their grandkids who would play at a, re- you know, who would beat each other up at recess pretending to be yeah. Their favorite Stampede wrestlers, you know, it was uh, it was just such a, you know, you had Ed Whalen, the respected uh, newscaster, who 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 was part of the show and kind of the star of the show in some ways, and he gave it he gave it this this kind of down home flavor and this uh, and it kind of give it gave it some legitimacy uh, to, to to Calgarians, I think, and um, you know, and people would would flock to, to the Stampede Grounds every every Friday to see the matches, and then they'd watch it on TV. And Stu and, Stu and his guys w- were among the first TV stars in Calgary. Like, they I, they were kind of, in the eyes of a lot of people, they would have been up there with, you know, the Lucille Balls and the Jackie Gleasons. They, they, uh, they, the, you know, they were the first people on, on, on a Calgary TV station. They would have been huge, huge stars. And, and, then, and then the tie-in with the, the Calgary Stampede itself, you know, it's no, you know, eventually Stu branded himself because it started out as big time wrestling and eventually he changed it to Stampede Wrestling and kind of branded himself with the Stampede. And they were a huge part of the Stampede, the Calgary Stampede, the, the wrestlers. Every year they, they had this, this parade float, this kind of wrestling ring on wheels that would inevitably break apart apparently on, on the parade and the parade marshals would be going, you know, furious. And, and uh, but, but every year, like, um, Stu kind of made during Calgary Stampede. That was almost his like WrestleMania. He would he would put all his resources into it. He would bring in the celebrity guest referees and bring Andre the Giant and bring the you know the world champions and stuff. And it was a huge draw for for the Calgary Stampede or for yeah for the Calgary Stampede at the time. It was one of the big draws. And I think just the just the, their cultural cachet in Calgary. It, it can't be. It can't be overlooked, yet it often is overlooked. I think because because it's professional wrestling, its values, you know, it's often not taken seriously. There's a tendency to, you know, treat it like a joke or sweep it under the carpet as something, you know, silly and lowbrow, something that's, you know, kind of an embarrassment. So, so this map, I, it, I think it's important to Calgary's cultural history. Um, yeah, it gets overlooked, and and so it was an honor for me to be a part of this project that kind of gives Stampede Wrestling. It's due as a really significant part of Calgary history. It is. And even in, in the business, it was interesting. Just recently, a uh, former wrestler by the name of Lanny Poffo passed away. Now, Lanny's maybe not as well known as his brother, who, who went by the name Randy Savage, the mm-hmm. macho man, who was a, a colossus superstar. I had no idea that, that Lanny Poffo was born in Calgary. I mean, it turned out yeah. that his dad, Angelo Poffo, who was a wrestler, was here in the 50s. And it's just an example of over the decades, you know, how connected Stampede Wrestling was to, to the business across North America and how important it was, right, for people coming through here. This was part of the circuit or guys making a name for themselves here or the big names that, that Stu would bring into town. It's such a part of the history of the business, too, isn't it? Oh, so much. This is sort of a, a rough sort of uh, backwards territory. I mean, no, no, not too many wrestlers got into the business dreaming about staying in Calgary in those days, right? They wanted to go to the Madison Square Garden yeah. and the Boston Gardens and all the, you know, Montreal and all the kind of the bigger centers. But, you know, in, in Calgary was a tough territory too because, you know, you'd, you'd do that stampede loop, you'd drive in the, in the middle of winter, you know, and it was, they, they had 
near death accidents on, on that highway that oh, yeah. they're always on these icy roads and but Stu himself is this renowned sort of trainer um and it, it stampede wrestling is almost this you know if you can make it here you can make it anywhere sort of territory so so you know promoters from different territories would send their young that you know sort of the young green guys over here to to learn and, to, and see if they and see if they could make it and uh yeah there was a real renown to it um and super influential people like I, I, I can't get into the, the value of he revolutionized the wrestling world as kind of a smaller guy that was uh, just like so agile in the ring and all the high flying stuff you see today. So much of that comes from him. And there was a guy who came here in the seventies, Wayne Coleman, who went on to be superstar Billy Graham, who right. was essentially the prototype of, of Hulk Hogan and Jesse Body Ventura and people like that, you know, the flamboyant sort of jive talking, you know, super muscular guys and, and he was the prototype of that and another guy that just came here from stampede wrestling so many people passed through here um and it was on the map for for all like all over the wrestling territories that you know the, the mainstream might not have not known stampede wrestling but like japan in japan they revered stampede wrestling mostly because of the dynamic kid and they'd uh like it's sometimes during stampede they would actually come here. They would bring their cameras here as well to film the matches of, you know, all the matches. And they'd bring some of the Japanese stars over and, and they'd, you know, they'd film the matches of the Dynamite Kid. And, and uh, yeah, it really was a very revered territory in the wrestling world. The business still has its its ups and downs. I mean, professional wrestling still matters. Maybe the the smaller, the regional kind of promotions are harder to sustain. You know, as much as as people love Stampede Wrestling, it's been tough to recapture that magic. I mean, Bret Hart is still an icon in this city. He just opened up uh, his his own restaurant recently. Mm -hmm. I know his his sons, uh, you know, trying to give it a go with uh, his dungeon wrestling promotion. Is is it just kind of a a bygone era, or do you think it's still possible that maybe it, it can kind of thrive again somehow well you know the wwe still thrives in its own way and everything and that's that's been the main top dog for the long time and, and some of the little promotions couldn't you know they couldn't do it it'll never be the same i don't think they're never going to get they're ne- you know you're never going to have that regional tv show that's you know dedicated to a region and like yeah. we had snappy wrestling in western canada and that was that i don't think you're going to get that again you're not going to get the tv spots as much or anything like that but I would say that um, some of the smaller promotions now, they've figured it out, a lot of them. The good ones have figured it out. And there's a semi-thriving little scene there, you know, where they're not, you know, they're not filling up the stadiums or anything, but they're, they're doing pretty well, like the Legion Halls and, 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 and that kind of stuff. And I think some of them are doing okay. I think, I, I, we're, I think we're seeing a little bit of a resurgence of it. But, yeah, I don't see the glory days of Stampede Wrestling returning so much. Probably because it, be, it won't be on TV. It won't be televised. Well, in the meantime, this is a pretty cool project. It's called Ring-A-Ding-Dong Dandy, a map of Stampede Wrestling, the latest from the Calgary Atlas Project. It's uh, available now. Heath McCoy, great chatting about all of this today. Thanks so much for making some time for us here. Thanks for having me on. There you go, Heath McCoy. Uh, he wrote his own book back in 2005, Pain and Passion, the History of Stampede Wrestling, but helped put together this uh, project for the Calgary Atlas Project, Ring-A-Ding-Dong Dandy, a map of Stampede Wrestling. Thanks for downloading and listening to the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcast. You can also find me on Twitter, at Rob Breckenridge, and you can email me, rob at 770chqr.com. Talk to you next time.